Uh, I was really surprised. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. Let's put a smile on that face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be. Uh, I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. And this week we have a new release review yet again, uh, this time for Clint Eastwood's latest Sully. And to do that, I'm bringing in uh, Ben uh, another week in a row since Mike is still off jet setting around the world on his honeymoon. So thanks for being here. Yeah, this is, this is getting pretty sad, uh, I have to say. Um, uh, the, wor- the worst thing is that, that Snowden is coming up next week, and, and I really can't believe that, you, that you're that you not going to have me on for Snowden. So <laughs> no, I'm right. thinking it's going to be three weeks in a row, correct? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Mike's just like, nope, can't do it. Not not having it. He's, he's not, not going to see Snowden? I don't oh know. Oh, my he, God. You never know. He's finicky, <laughs> you know? Like, I never know what he's... Now that, like, movie passes screwed him over, he's kind of like, nah, I'm not seeing movies. I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not getting screeners. Why bother? So so we'll see. Uh, Hopefully he'll ridiculous. be back. Yeah. Well. All right. Uh, so as I mentioned this week, we're talking about Sully. Uh, so Ben, what are your initial thoughts on Tom Hanks and Clint Eastwood's latest? Uh, I was really surprised. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I was not a, an American Sniper hater. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't really sure, you know, what to think going into this movie, but there have been like Clint Eastwood movies that everyone has loved that I just, you know, didn't connect with at all. Uh, Million Dollar Baby off the top of my head mm. is one. Um, Space Cowboys was a pretty big hit in its day oh, as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of some others. Changeling, Flags of Our Fathers. Um, it, but, but, you know, it's incredible. Like the guy is 86 years old and he really it really seems like he's like almost just conquering uh you know in the industry right now in terms of like creating adult entertainment uh people actually want to pay and and see in a movie theater uh that's pretty incredible yeah i mean you bring up this uh this kind of clint eastwood thing and i remember talking on our captain phillips episode and thinking like he's very hit and miss for me like there's usually not a lot of in-between. Although American Sniper, like, I didn't like the movie. I really liked Bradley Cooper's performance. So I thought, like, okay, maybe he's really good at getting great performances out of people. And that's that's what I'm going to look for in this movie. And I, I found this movie to be good, but kind of not memorable to me. I, I don't think this is a movie at the end of the year I'm going to be thinking of or a couple years from now I'm going to be thinking of. Like, there's nothing wrong with it but there's also like no wow factor for me in this movie like i i like tom hanks performance i think i think the unsung hero of this movie is aaron eckhart though i think he is fantastic as sully's kind of first mate uh on on the plane i think the movie really comes together when these two are on screen together and like all the rest of the stuff it kind of left me feeling a bit hollow okay Okay, so you, we're, we're going to be on opposite ends of this anyway, so whatever. Um, <laughs> but Aaron Eckhart, so you brought up Aaron Eckhart, uh, who's playing Jeff Skiles, the, the co-pilot. Um, and 
I find it really interesting that in the movie, the normal, and I don't know if this would really be considered a spoiler or not, uh, the normal thing would be that in the third act, Aaron Eckhart's character would turn on Scully, or there would be some sort of other mitigating factor that mm. would make him go, oh, I, this, this is too far, Scully, I, I can't support you on this one. That's sort of the normal function sure. of this type of character. Yet he's not that. He, he's the opposite of that. Uh, we, we, you know, we never get anything, you know, quite like that. And, and it's a very interesting scenario. And it's interesting that they were able to make it work. Because uh, I certainly don't think the movie is lacking in conflict uh, at all. We get, we get more than enough of that from the uh, transportation board people. Um, so I don't know. I, I really responded to it. <laughs> And I, th- I tell you what I really, what I think was the, was the number one reason for this movie's success is that the producers and the screenwriters and Clint Eastwood, they stopped and asked themselves, okay, where does the story of this guy actually begin? What, what, is, what is actually important to, to actually have in this film? And that's why we have a 96-minute movie that is really well-paced, where every single scene seems to be there for a purpose. Uh, there are some things that don't really get paid off. I, I would say that I'm a little disappointed that Laura Linney, uh, her, her character, oh, yeah. we don't get to see more of her. Absolutely. Um, that was disappointing, and I love Laura Linney. And Laura Linney did such a great job as that Lady Macbeth-type character in uh, Mystic River. Uh, yeah. You know, you'd think this would, be, this would have been a great opportunity to have her brought back and all that, but no, that's it's unfortunate but i mean i don't really i don't know it's hard for me not to really be that upset about that yeah that, that uh, was but, actually okay, go, go on. that was actually one of my main complaints in the movie i felt like i i also love laura lenny i think she's pretty much fantastic in most things she's ever done and i just feel like she's really wasted here in this role of you know just being kind of the weepy wife like that's that's her only role here is to be on the phone and be upset and i was like i wanted i wanted more out of that and actually got so much more out of the relationship between jeff skiles and sully and that may be true to life i think that's one of the issues i had too is it's hard to make it's hard to make a story like this around a character who's so stoic and unemotional for most of the film like i found myself disconnected to his story quite a bit and i think and i think some of that is is who that character is so i can't really fault uh the screenwriters i can't really fault eastwood but it makes you start to wonder like did there need to be a movie about this especially so relatively soon after these events like we all know what happened here so there's a lot of moments of they're trying to create suspense of like did everyone survive but one we already know because it was in the news you know not that many years ago and two in the very beginning of the film they have this news report saying everyone is safe so that all seems manufactured and the only thing that pulls it along is tom hanks performance and he's always so good and so genuine that you really go along on that journey with him but from a screenwriting perspective i felt like that was a big mistake to open the film with that line about like every no there's a couple injuries but everyone's fine all right so i disagree now what i would say is that yeah seven years is pretty soon it's it's soon enough that people are going to remember everything that happened and they're not going to think that this is going to end up like as a tragedy and luckily the screenwriters don't do any sort of you know movie fictionalizing fictionalizing to try and make it that uh they just let it play out uh the you know for the most part the way it happened i I assume 
Um, what I love is these moments, these really claustrophobic moments inside the plane, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where, where even though I know that everyone's going to be okay, I'm thinking to myself, oh God, this looks horrible. I couldn't, what could I, what would I do in this situation? Uh, and oh God, there's a guy out in the water and like, you know, he's, he's probably going to freeze to death and everything. Um, so I feel like there was enough of that to really, it, I think it's impressive that they were able to, to, you know, to give you that kind of an emotional experience, considering that everyone knows what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say this there, there's kind of, I assume, I mean, maybe it's not a screenwriting invention. Maybe this really happened, but there's like this like really small subplot with these three guys getting on the plane late and they're in separate seats. Um, so when the escape happens, there's this you see this them kind of panicking, trying to find one another. And that stuff really worked for me. Like I was it was the one it was the one moment in the movie as far as the actual plane crash where I was I was worried. And that, like you said, that is impressive that I know, uh, not only from history, but from the beginning of this movie, that everyone survives. But you do have this moment mm-hmm. of, like, sheer panic for these people. Because you put yourself in that position. Like, God, what would I be thinking right now? Like, I'm just I was just trying to fly to fly, fly to Charlotte, trying to go play some golf, and all of this goes down, you know? And I, I really did like those moments. I just wish – I wish there had been more moments maybe – in person between Tom Hanks and Laura Linney to really solidify that relationship because I felt like it it was it was just filler. It was felt like, well we have to put this here because he was married and we have to we have to throw some some doubt because we have this stuff in the trailer about were there problems at home and you know and it, it just it felt a little unnecessary. And you mentioned earlier like you didn't feel like there was any wasted uh there were any wasted scenes. And for me I felt there's a couple flashbacks in the movie uh, that are specifically designed to show you that he's been in pressure situations before and he's going to be fine. Um, but I felt like just telling you like, okay, he's been flying for 40 years. He's flown a million passengers. That's enough to tell me he's going to be fine under pressure. So I just felt like that stuff was like stretching it a little bit. And the movie's only like, what, like 92 minutes long. <laughs> so, I mean, you take that out. It's like barely a movie. It's practically a short film. But I did feel like, okay, I mean, I, I get why you're doing this. But for me, it wasn't necessary as a viewer. I was okay with those scenes. Maybe they're not the best scenes in the movie. I'll give you that. But I was glad. I was glad that they introduced that element without letting it take over the movie. Yeah. And I think back to Jay Edgar, which is a movie that I, I didn't hate. I didn't hate Jay Edgar at all. I thought it, I thought there were a lot of really good scenes, but the structure of that movie is a mess. And, and I know they they had to create that in the editing room and everything. Um, and those flashbacks in that movie are just like. Like they'll go on forever, and like you, you really lose track of where you are in the story. Here, I never, I never felt that. I mean, with the cinematography, what they did smart in that they had like that whole golden hue for you know his uh, his, his scenes that are happening in the past and all that, and then mm-hmm. everything in in the present is you know desaturated and and wintry and everything because that's when it's taking place. Um, so you know, I don't know, like little stuff like that. Uh, the, the 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 other complaint that I have and I do it. It really is. That's the thing is I only really have two complaints about this movie. And the the first was Laura Linney. And the Mm -hmm. second would be that for a 96 minute movie that I was really engaged by, uh, I felt like the ending was a bit too abrupt. And when we get to your spoiler section, we'll probably go into more detail about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to hear, uh, hear your issues with the ending. Um, 
Yeah, I I also felt like, and you can't avoid it with a movie like this when you're kind of like someone does something heroic and then, you know, the insurance claims come in and, you know, these people are like designed to be like just stereotypical villains, right? Like antagonists, like just like they're not, we don't get a lot about their background and why they're doing what they're doing other than they're protecting their money. Um, But I don't know, I felt like there were a lot of really good actors uh, in those scenes that weren't given much to do, like I think they tried to give Anna Gunn more to do in the conclusion of the film, but it all of that stuff really rang hollow to me. How did you react to those like kind of boardroom insurance scenes? I, I mean, I, I really like them actually, <laughs> and and sure we don't get a, we don't get a whole lot with their characters, but we do. But what we do get is we do get Sully and Aaron Eckhart's character saying, you know, like like Aaron Eckhart describes them as as what you're saying is just cardboard villains or whatever. And Sully like stops them and says, no, they're, they're just doing their job. And Mm -hmm. you know, they're like, once they see all this, it'll, but I mean, from my understanding, this is essentially what happened is that the media declared him a hero and the, you know, insurance companies were, were the ones that, uh, you know, were, were not so quick uh, to (laughs) to accept that. And, and so I, I think they'd be doing a disservice to, to the audience. And I'm glad, I'm glad they didn't shy away from making them appear uh, from, to be what is my understanding is what, is what pretty much happened was that they wanted to shift the blame for the loss of the aircraft onto him. Right. Uh, and so, you know, that, that is the story and that is a great story to tell. Um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why we don't have so much uh, heroism, you know, I think is because, is because we tend to like to uh, pick these things apart. And whenever right. someone, you know, gets up to a certain level, it's just like, okay, now we got to tear them back down. Uh, and so sometimes it is just as simple as someone was in, a really high pressure situation and had to rely on their, you know, entirety of their experience and not have to think about, you know, what, uh, what standard protocol is and all that, which to my understanding, he didn't deviate from standard protocol or anything like that. Right. But, you know, to, to my understanding, that's, that is what happened is that we, you know, we have a three minute, we have a per- person who is tested uh, into a high pressure point uh, situation for three minutes and makes the right call and everyone's, you know, lives are saved because of it. Right. And, and it, so it's a very, it's a great message, you know. Yeah. And I will say in those scenes, I think especially like the first, the first scene we see in that, in that kind of boardroom, I, I love Tom Hanks' performance. And he's very like, he's got a little bit of an attitude. He's kind of sassy uh, to these people kind of questioning him. And I like that, you know, they didn't just make him out to be like this perfect hero. Like he does have moments where he's kind of short with people. Like, yeah, I eyeballed it. I've got 40 years of experience, like deal with it. And I liked, I liked his moments and there's a lot of good stuff also with, again, Aaron Eckhart in those scenes where he's just like listening to him and kind of smirking. And I think Mm -hmm. you, you get that feeling that like these people have worked together for a long time and he knew this was coming. Whereas everyone else in the boardroom is kind of surprised by how abrupt he is. And I love, I just love that relationship. I was wondering what you thought of all the scenes in New York, like both the the scene in the bar, uh, which comes to mind immediately, and all these scenes. And we'll talk about this a little bit later uh, next week when we talk about Nixon, but kind of implanting an actor or actors in a historic scene that's that's been on film before. Like we've got stuff with David Letterman. We've got stuff with Katie Couric. Like what, what did you think of how the film treated New York and the special effects? 
You know, I thought a lot of that stuff was a lot less noticeable than than I've seen in other movies. I, yeah. I think of last year we had Pawn Sacrifice around the same time, mm. and they had a really they had a really bad like CGI Tobey Maguire onto a um, oh the guy from the seventies big uh, review uh, interviewer I forget his name right now, uh, but they did they did something like that and it was really noticeable and it was bad. Right. Uh, and I look at this and I think what they did, w- which was smart, was that they kept the wide shots really brief. Yeah. You know, they it, mostly it was just isolated close ups with Tom Hanks. Um, so I didn't I really honestly didn't question it, didn't notice it. Um, I like the scene in the bar with uh, what's his name from Deep Blue Sea, Michael Rappaport. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Michael Rappaport. Uh, uh, you know, great actor. Um, and and I, I enjoyed that. It is. It's just very. It's very interesting. I think. I think. I like how Hanks just takes a little sip of that drink because in in the back of his head he's he's still thinking, oh, what if what if. Uh, uh, this what if this gets out that I was drinking right. at a bar? People, you know what I mean. Um, there, there's there's a lot of interesting little stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think actually that scene is one of my favorite scenes in the film. Like where you see him, like you, I mean, you get all these news reports, right? You get all this like Sully is a hero. New York loves you. We have some over the top scenes with people giving him hugs when he's not prepared for it. Uh, but this scene like felt very real to me and felt like something that would happen in some dive bar in New York. And I, mm-hmm. I like the idea of them like creating a drink after him. Like that was, and I think the movie needs a scene like that because you need, you need a laugh. You need a smile because everything mm-hmm. yeah. is so dour. Like you go from plane crash to like, maybe this man's career is ending and everything is terrible. So you need these little bits of levity. And I think that's where the bar scene and Aaron Eckhart's character really kind of, for me, kind of save this movie from being too kind of one note. <laughs> See, I really am very positive about it. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised that I am. Like I said, there's been a lot of Eastwood movies that I, that people love that, that I just yeah. would never really connected to. Uh, and I don't know, for some reason, this one uh, did it for me. Yeah. I think I'm just, I'm reacting to how much you enjoyed it. Like I did like the movie. Like I think it's, I think it's a, it's a good movie. It's just not great. And I think it got, it seems to be getting like these very kind of diametrically opposed uh, reactions, like in the press and in critics, either people just adored it or they were like, man, you know, whatever. And I think it's better than whatever. Like it's a good quality <laughs> film and Eastwood really knows what he's doing, and we'll talk about this more in spoilers, but I love the fact that the the crash sequence, or as as Sully would call it, the the uh, water landing sequence, is filmed like three or four different times, and they're all a little bit different. It would have been really easy for that to get really repetitive because we keep going mm-hmm. back to it, but the way he films it in different ways I think was really effective. And even even to show the air traffic controller's perspective yeah. uh, is, is very interesting to me because he has a completely different outlook uh, from Sully, and, and you know, and, he, and he's a guy who sits at a desk or whatever. And I know I'm not trying to like villainize him or anything, but I'm just saying, you know, the these goddamn pencil pushers. Very, well, I'm just saying, you know, maybe it says something about him that his outlook is even is much more pessimistic than. Um, you know, the people who are actually there. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's like, they're dead. (laughs) No chance. Yeah. Yeah, I did like that we got, I mean, it's, it's a difficult movie to make because, you know, the entire flight lasts like 10 minutes. So you uh-huh. got you got to figure out a way to like make this into a compelling story. And I think, you know, as much as I've been like, I didn't like this, I didn't like that. I think that he created as good of a narrative as possible, given the kind of limitations that the real life story brings us. Because otherwise, it's just a hundred minutes of, you know, people celebrating Sully as a hero. And I like that we got, you know, different people's reactions and different people's perspectives. I thought that was a smart decision. 
I think the I think the the, uh, the um, dream sequences and stuff work pretty well too. I mean, that's something that could have. No, I love that really actually. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The movie's opening is pretty fantastic actually, and I love that it it kind of throws off like what you expected. Mm-hmm. Like you expect mm-hmm. the movie to start with when once you see the plane, you expect the movie to start with oh, we're just going to start with the land landing on the Hudson. And I love that it plays with your expectations like that and kind of shocks the viewer as well and and puts you in the in the mindset of Sully from the very beginning of the film. So, like, I, I, I was comparing it a lot to Flight from mm. 2012, which is a pretty sure. obvious comparison because I think they were both – I think Flight was basically the fictional version of this type of character in right. a way uh, just to, towards different extremes. Yeah, um, way more dramatized, yeah, for sure. But what doesn't work for me about Flight is that Flight, you know, blows its load in the first 20 minutes <laughs> and then you got like an hour and 40 minutes of really slow uh, – dull storytelling that doesn't really add up to a whole lot. And I look at this movie and it's so, it's so tight. It's so everything feels, everything for the most part feels pretty, pretty right to me. I don't like you're saying the flashbacks bothered you a little bit, but, but you know, I'm not in the moment. I was like, you know what? This seems like, like just enough time Hmm. spent on his background. Uh, I was really shocked to see that this wasn't edited by Joel Cox, his usual, guys that it by someone else i don't i don't know um so you know yeah all right so uh ben is much higher on this i liked it i think it's worth watching but it's not something that i think if you asked me in a year <laughs> what happened in that movie i probably wouldn't remember it but you're much higher now so that's good like two weeks in a row you're like you know movies are great you know first uh first the light between oceans and now sully i'm i'm happy to see you happy I'm never I'm never afraid to say that I liked too many things in a, in any given time period. Um, you know, I feel like some critics uh, act like that. Yeah, I honestly do. Well, like I liked so. this one last week, so I gotta I gotta, yeah, gotta, gotta temper be, my reaction. You know, this week. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so let's uh, let's jump into spoilers before we go. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right, so you mentioned earlier in the review that the ending was abrupt abrupt to you. So here's your chance. What was your issue with the ending? Of the I, I, I mean, it ends almost like a Billy Wilder comedy, uh, and, and, and the line that they end on, you know, it's not exactly shut up and deal. Uh, it, it's like some weird throwaway gaff from Aaron Eckhart's character. Uh, and, and, you know, it's fine, whatever. It was such a good movie up to that point. I'm not going to like, <laughs> you know, disown the movie because of it, but it's funny because American sniper had the same yeah. issue where it just get, where he just allowed the epilogue to finish off the third act of the movie. <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and that, you know, American sniper could have, could have probably been like a five star movie for me with, with a great ending. Um, this movie, I think, just needed some sort of closure. And uh, I don't know, my pitch for the ending would be that he finally goes home. We finally get a scene between him and Laura Linney. God forbid. And, you know, <laughs> and I, I would say that it'd be something really subtle, like he sits down and he hears an airplane fly over his head or something like that. Something very subtle that just puts that idea in your mind that he's going to be haunted by this no matter what, even though the outcome ended up positively. So Right. Yeah, I the only issue I really had with kind of the closing of the film is and you know, maybe this is how it happened. I don't know, but it did feel like the kind of uh the insurance folks switched pretty quick 
like at the end of the movie. Like there was no bitterness. Uh-huh. It was it was just like, my God, I've never heard anything so amazing. You're a hero, sir. And like the rest of the movie, they're like, yeah, you're a hero, but whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like this kind of <laughs> tear-jerking moment from Anna Gunn. And like the main insurance guy is like, here's to you, buddy. And I was just like, what? How do we get – I feel like there's like a seed missing. There's a reel missing there mm-hmm. somewhere where – like they apologize or you know there's there's some process that it goes through and i know it's a movie and we got to kind of get to the finish of it but i did have this moment and be like well that's a dramatic turn how do we get here so quick i think that could have been tapered down a bit like i like obviously it was going to end well right but i think it could have been sort of a begrudging kind of oh well, we cannot find any sort of fault with you know kind of right. thing um not what what we got i agree if you i agree if you on that front yeah um and we mentioned kind of the plane crash sequences which i think are tremendously well shot but i think the most the most kind of awe inspiring moments for me is like you just don't realize how crazy it is to see a plane that close to mm-hmm. the water, that close mm-hmm. to the ground. And they have these great shots with the the ferry coming up to it and the um the helicopter and you just see how insane that looks. This behemoth of a machine coming down on the Hudson. And like, you know, we saw the kind of news reports and seeing it on the Hudson is one thing, but actually seeing this crash in motion is pretty awe-inspiring. And and I think Eastwood knew it, and that's why he's like, okay, we're going to do this four or five times, and we're going to show it from different angles and different perspectives, because this is this is our, our gotcha, this is our wow moment. Like, it was funny, because that first scene with the, the dream sequence, I mean... The, I thought the visual effects were a little uh, were were slightly off. Like they didn't look like like what you would expect. And then right. then you realize, oh wait, you know, it, it's slightly off because you know it's it's a dream sequence happening. It's, right. it's happening in his head. It's supposed to be a little bit more expressive than what you would really see. And then the, then the later when you actually see that what's really happening, I'm like, wow, this looks this looks great. Like I fully believe every everything here. And I don't know if they did a co- combination of uh, footage of the actual event or whatever. But, you know, it was, it was terrific. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I when they kept going back to it, I kept thinking like, oh, this is going to get old. Like this is guys, we've seen this before. But <laughs> and it's it's a really difficult thing to show one event a bunch of times and keep it interesting. But even the the kind of uh, the the Sully view of things in the last two versions of the crash are a little bit different. We have a slightly different dialogue and it's filled in. And I think it makes that last sequence where everyone is listening to the tape really, really work. And it all leads up to maybe my favorite scene in the movie is when Sully and, uh, um, and Skiles go out in the hall for a minute and he kind of tells him like, how proud he is of how he mm-hmm. acted in that moment. It would be very easy to just make this about Sully and like, yes, you know, look, now everyone knows you did the right thing, but I love that he kind of turned it and said, like, everyone did their job. And that's what this is about. It's not about an act of heroism under pressure. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, 10 people all doing their jobs at the same time. And that was re- that was probably the most affecting moment of the film for me, and that really worked. I love that. And I'll tell you what I find most effective is the scenes – where, because we so throughout the whole movie, you're you're right. We see them in that cockpit probably three or four times during the actual thing, and well, then we get 
you know, the juxtaposition in the, you know, last uh, 15 minutes of the movie of the simulations that, yeah. you know, that are working as evidence against him. And it's so incredible, like the, the, the sterility, the, the calmness, right. the, you know, the, the just, oh, oh we, we geese or, or birds. Damn birds, you know, fish, man. And that's it. And, <laughs> and so I thought that was kind of incredible. There, there's almost like a, like a 2001 kind of, kind of mm. commentary going on about humans versus technology. And, oh, hey, we have computers that can tell us anything we want them to tell us right. as long as we input the right information. And, you know, that, now we can have just the perfect reality uh, of things and, and completely discount humanity altogether uh and and so it's interesting that that you know that's that the viewpoint of the protagonist is that no you cannot do that so. yeah i also really like those simulation sequences because i like that we see the we have the same pilots you know doing it like in this kind of preordained way and then we mm-hmm. have them doing it like with the 35 second delay and they don't overdo the reactions in that sequence because you just see the pilots kind of from the back but i love the second sequence where the kind of crash happens to the simulators and you can just see the female pilot just like shaking her head like god damn it and she knows right away that this is not mm-hmm. going to work and she has essentially the same reaction that Sully did, you know, mm-hmm. in in real time, which I which I thought was a neat a neat little trick. Like they could have just had them do the simulation and crash and be like, oh well. But I love that she has like that similar that similar interaction with the situation. Yeah, I did too. All right, uh, so I think we've we've covered the movie enough. I think uh, Ben loves it and I like it, uh, which is <laughs> the theme of our doing new releases together. So, uh, so once again, Ben, thanks for joining us. Why don't you tell people uh, where they can find you on Twitter? You can. My Twitter handle is at Zookby. Um, you know, there, there's stuff out there, but you don't want to follow me. Yeah, you really don't. You want to just uh, you want to just find his Twitter and click on his Vimeo link and and check out some of his uh, some of his videos. Definitely check those out. Uh, and we will take a break and then come back with Fangirl Fixation to talk about what's coming out next week. Hi, everybody. Uh, This is kind of fangirl fixation, kind of not. Um, Unfortunately, Britt and I did record last night and then realized right afterwards that at about three minutes, everything uh, cut off and stopped recording. So that really sucks and kind of put a hamper on the evening. So uh, and unfortunately, it was too late. She couldn't record again. She had to work in the morning and the episode has to come out today. So I'm going to kind of review the three movies coming out and try to remember what she said about them and... uh, uh, see what we can do here. So the first movie coming out is Blair Blair Witch. Uh, so this is kind of exciting to me, um, simply because it's not very often you you hear of a movie that is actually able to be kept secret nowadays and just kind of gets released. Um, so of course the original Blair Witch Project many years ago. I think I was uh, just starting college when it came out. This was kind of before the time when. When you knew about movies coming out and you knew what they were about, you just kind of saw a trailer and you went and saw it, right? Uh, which is a little different than nowadays. So uh, I remember seeing it uh, opening night uh, at midnight at a theater in downtown San Jose uh, with my then-girlfriend. And I and I remember thinking it was true because that's that's everything they had. They had all these, like, cool display cases out. Like, these, this is, these are the only things we found. And maybe I was just too dumb uh, to realize, like, uh, they couldn't have uh, put these in every theater across the country. I was just like, oh, this is this is actual found footage. This is what this is. So um, so I went into it thinking it was real, and it scared the crap out of me. Um, and then, of course, later everyone started making fun of it, uh, and I stopped talking about it. 
but I do remember it actually scaring me. But I wonder how much of that was to do with the fact that I thought it was real as opposed to it was actually scary because I've never rewatched it. I haven't seen it a second time because it's one of those that I feel like is so experience based that if I would watch it a second time, I'd be like, eh, well, that wasn't that scary. Now I feel lame. Uh, so this is the sequel to that. I talked to Britt about it and she is not interested in the least. Uh, she, she hates found footage. It kind of makes her sick to her stomach. Uh, so she's probably going to skip this one. Uh, so I'll probably be seeing that alone, but I am looking forward to it because I like, I think there's a place for found footage. I think it's been used too much, but I think when used correctly can be really powerful. So here's hoping that that will happen here. Uh, the second movie uh, is probably the one Britt wants to see most and the one that she says she will drag me to, and this is Bridget Jones's Baby. Um, so this is, of course, the third in the series after uh, Bridget Jones's Diary and Bridget Jones' The Edge of Reason. I haven't seen the second one. Britt said she really liked the second one, but it's clearly not as good as the first, which is not a big surprise. But, I mean, I know that some people, and even Britt said, like, this is... Uh, Bridget Jones is definitely my my guilty pleasure, and I was like, you know, I don't really see that as needing to be guilty about. I think the Bridget Jones movies are actually pretty solid, pretty good romantic comedies. I think they're enjoyable. I think they're smartly written, uh, and I, I just hope uh, that this is the same. Uh, these are these are good because they're made relatively cheaply and tend to make a lot of money, so they probably don't feel the pressure to go to go big. Um, the only thing I'm really worried about in this is in, at least in the first movie, you had kind of, you know, her, your, her kind of love triangle. You had, you know, Colin Firth kind of playing the, the good guy in a lot of ways. And then you have, and then you have Hugh Grant playing the bad boy, right? And you're like, you obviously know who she should choose, but you can understand why she's torn. And in this one, you know, she has sex with two different guys, ends up getting pregnant. And the two guys seem to be both really good guys. Like you have Colin Firth again, uh, and then you have, uh... Uh, what's his name? McDreamy from from Grey's Anatomy. You have Patrick Dempsey. So, and they both seem like really good guys and really want to take care of the kid and blah blah blah. And it seems like you know choosing one or the other doesn't make a big difference. And granted, I haven't seen the movie; I've only seen the trailer. So maybe there is a drastic difference between these two, but we'll see. Uh, but I still think it looks fun. It looks enjoyable. It's something I'll I'll enjoy my time in the theater. It'll be a nice short romantic fun comedy so and Brit will be happy and that's really what matters so the last movie and the one we are covering on the show is Snowden uh, and this is Oliver Stone's latest uh Brit is like only mildly interested in this because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in it he's become one of those actors for her that that she'll kind of see anything he does and uh she maintains it's not because uh she thinks he's hot uh because he's too young for her were her words um she's like older guys I guess which is good for me I mean, this is hopefully Oliver Stone uh, uh, return to form, uh, kind of back in big budget, uh, taking on difficult topics. And if you're going to take on difficult topics, I mean, someone who is either described as a traitor or as the ultimate patriot, uh, that's that's a really good place to go. And I think it's a really good topic uh, for Oliver Stone. Uh, I think Oliver Stone, maybe fairly, maybe unfairly in the last you know, five to ten years has been a little bit maligned, uh, but I think I don't think there's anyone better to take on these topics. I mean, if you look at, you, look, I mean, this is a guy, and we'll talk about this uh, next week. Is that he he made Nixon into uh, a character you might actually care about, which is pretty impressive, especially coming from someone as liberal as Oliver Stone. But you know, this movie stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Shailene Woodley, Nicolas Cage has a small role apparently, which I just found out by looking through the IMDb IMDb page. 
uh, who else? Zachary Quinto. So I mean, this Melissa Leo. This could be. This could be really good. And I'm really. I'm hoping for the best because I think. I think. Uh, I think the world of film is better when Oliver Stone is is at his peak and working well and working in politically based film. So this could be our chance to see that. All right. Uh, so that's it for this episode. And the next time you hear me, I will be talking about Nixon uh, with repeat guest Ben Zook. And until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Okay, I'll try it. Okay? Okay, sounds good. All right, let's get started before anything goes wrong. All right. (laughs) They make you feel small. By giving you no time instead of it all Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all A working class hero is something to be 